Movies, the Shia LaBeouf Podcast. This is episode 26, Hounded from 2001. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and this is the second Disney Channel original movie in a row. Isn't it third? Isn't it even Stevens? Well, we had holes in between. Oh, it's my apologies. Third out of four and two in a row. Even Stevens movie, I guess, that feels different. I don't know how it feels different. It feels... Hmm. Oh, I know, because Holes is also a Disney film, right? But that's like a feature Disney film. Right. And I feel like Even Stevens is right between Holes and this. Yeah, I I feel like Even Stevens is the kind of movie you would pay. I wonder, I'm going to look this up now. I actually didn't look it up. I wonder if Even Stevens movie ever made it to theaters. Because I know for sure the last one and this one were just first run on... On Disney Channel. I don't know. Even Stevens, okay. I feel like it could have been. I don't know that it was. But feel, it had to feel like it could have been in theaters. No. Okay. So <laughs> that's three out of four, two in a row, Disney Channel original movies. But unlike the Even Stevens movie and more like True Confessions, this one is rough. Yeah. Agreed. It's not as rough by any means as True Confessions, but it's still kind of a chore. I watched this before you did last night, and I told you, enjoy the first 20 minutes or so, because the next hour is really difficult to get through. Because mm-hmm. the beginning, mm-hmm. it feels like there's there's more to be excited about at the beginning of this movie than there was at all in anything in True Confessions. Like, there's genuine kind of actual dialogue, like especially between the star mm-hmm. Taj Maori and his mom, but it's played under this like terrible, like, jokey, wacky music. And I'm like, I don't know why that's there, because like this seems like a sort of a, a serious scene kind of between Preppy Kid and his mom. And then, you know, there's there's a bunch of characters. We've got Ed Begley Jr. in this, who's been in Great. 300 things. We've got Shia playing against type, and we'll get to that in a second. There's a lot of, like, introductions to things, and, like, actually, like, some semblance of, like, storytelling that I don't think we had in True Confessions. And then we hit a point where it's just an hour of Taj Maori and his older brother being terrorized by a dog. And <laughs> yeah. it is the longest hour. Like, it feels as long as True Confessions felt. It is difficult to get through. And it's such a letdown. I think it's more of a letdown. Like, this is, like I think you said, better than True Confessions. But it's almost worse because it sets itself up to be something not great, but, like, better than it was. Yeah, well, it definitely does not set itself up to be Cujo for kids, which is what it becomes around the first act break. I agree, like, this starts off really well. Aside from some strange tones going on, like the dead dad kind of mm-hmm. thing, I thought that was maybe a step too far. Just because... I think it's just a Disney thing. <laughs> It is pretty much a Disney thing, but otherwise it's cartoony and super wacky, and that's what it's really going for. And uh, maybe that's why, I mean, I'm not saying the Cujo stuff was good by any means, but I kind of understood a little more along the lines of, okay, it's it's like Tom and Jerry time with this kid and this dog that he's accidentally dog-sitting. I think Shia's really good in this. Uh, it's very interesting. Ed Begley Jr., thank God he's in this movie. I know. Because he doesn't care what he's in. No. He just brings it 100% all the time and I'm just like was so happy that he was showing up instead of just some other Disney Channel dad. What's kind of amazing is that he is the same guy in all these movies and somehow is able to fit in all these movies. Like, the character he's playing could work, like, in a Christopher Guest movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's... it's, I mean, it's not exactly, like, 100%, but it's the same kind of delivery. It's the same kind of character building. It's the same kind of everything. Like, he just brings it to everything. I mean, he's literally been in 303 things. He has 303 acting credits on IMDb. What's 
weird is that he's never been in a movie with Cage. He's never been in a movie with Zac Efron. He's never been in any other movie with Shia. And he's only been in one movie with Keanu, and that's Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. So we've done so many things on this podcast network, and Ed Begley Jr. has been in so many more things, and like his path just never crosses with us. It's it's Mm. weird that he's so... I love him, and he's so prolific, and we just don't see him on what we're doing. Yeah, and I'm very thankful he's here. And yeah, he's the principal at this prep school or this academy or wherever they're going to, and yep. Shia is his mm-hmm. son, <laughs> which yes. is great. And he's definitely the better principal than I was thinking. You know, he only had to stack up against Eugene Levy and Dumb and Dumberer, and it really wasn't hard to tower over his performance in that. And yeah, Egg Bigley Jr. just leaves them in in his wake. He's good against like the kids. Like, not saying the kids are great or anything, but everyone just seems more relaxed and having a lot more fun than they were in the last movie. I think people are having more fun. I think of this is just. I mean, it's it's obviously not as serious of a subject. Yeah. So I feel like people are like it's it's just straight up like a wacky dog movie, and framed within a prep school. For that, like, there's no I guess conflict of emotions. There's no like oh we better tiptoe around the subject. It's just I hear you. we're gonna steal a dog, try to steal a dog or whatever we're gonna do. I don't even know what the original plan was. Have the dog follow them out and then mayhem ensues. Yeah. Oh, I think what I wanted to get to say earlier about like this whole dog thing subplot is you're right like that first half hour they're setting up what I feel like is a completely different movie is this sort of race for the scholarship and then you know trying to clear his name or someone Shia steals his presentation and so you think it's all going to be kind of oriented around school but then they drop school entirely when he accidentally (laughs) kidnaps Shia's dog and it becomes like this quasi revenge scheme going on that he doesn't really want to follow through on it's strange it's it's definitely weird how they drop all that stuff entirely and it really goes hard on this dog stuff and the dog stuff is terrible like i think (laughs) if it was like a race for the scholarship and if we got more shia because i mean the middle hour aside from just being difficult to watch there's very little if no shia at all even like his friends you know he's got sarah paxton in the wheelchair who is great Mm -hmm. in cheap thrills and the innkeepers and a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, she's great. she's still working today, so it's cool to see that, you know, another child actor stuck with it. Uh, he's got that other friend. But, like, basically, as soon as his brother comes home and the dog is there, it's just the two of them and the dog. Like, there's no, basically no other characters in this movie. It's sort of a shame. I mean, we're watching this for Shia. The character that Shia's playing isn't great, but I think if they gave him time to develop and we had this sort of, like, back and forth, almost like a presidential election in ways, you know, mm. like two different candidates like going for the scholarship, maybe giving multiple speeches or like having fundraisers at school or whatever you have to do, that could have been cool. But instead it's just like, hey, you know all this like promise that we built up in the beginning of the movie? Like, eh, just forget about it. Yeah, I mean, why did they get so intricate as to show that Shia LaBeouf has like, his character has this like hall pass sales scheme going on where he's stealing his dad's hall passes and everything. I mean, they go so far to set up a lot that they just don't use. Yeah, I found Shia to be pretty interesting in this role. Like you said earlier, he is against type as to what we we know him as now. I'm not sure, did he have really a type to play against, or was he always just kind of a mischievous kid on his show? And So, I mean, so this movie came out in 2001, and I, I, I honestly, the, the, the short 
answer to your question is I don't know. Because this came out in 2001. Even Steven started in 2001. Okay, okay. Before this, the only thing that he's ever done were TV shows that we're not going to cover, um, even though my homework between this and the next time we record is to watch that one X-Files episode. But he's only done TV shows and then three movies like years before. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And actually, one of those movies that we're going to do at the end, he was just a voice in, you know, four years after this. So that doesn't even count. So I don't know if he necessarily has a type. Interesting. And when I said he plays against type, it's just against what he's mm-hmm. going to be known as. But yeah. what I thought was interesting about this is it's kind of like a reverse Shaker Heights situation, yeah. kind of. Yeah. He's he has everything that it's not that Taj Mowry is like his family is poor, but like he needs the scholarship, and it seems like Shia doesn't need the scholarship. It's just nice to have. And so in Shaker Heights, he's kind of like you know an average kid, not necessarily poor. But then he's got Foggy Nelson as a friend who lives in like the really rich part of town and has this really wealthy dad, this beautiful house, and like you know the powerful dad. And it's just weird to see Shia in that role, except Foggy wasn't a bully, and Shia in this movie is a bully. Yeah, and I it seems like they're like feeling him out for what he would be good at maybe you know like let's try him here let's try him in this role and this is this might be his first role as a villain you know what i mean like this is he is pretty much like a bad guy a jerk if this was like an 80s high school movie he would definitely be you know the rich guy with the white sweater vest and everything like he would be the valley girl people uh, mm-hmm. opposite nicholas cage yeah he would be a total gatsby right <laughs> that, yeah uh and i kind of like it here i'm almost a little kind of sad that we don't get him as more of like the bad guy in any of like high school films this also made me think that we missed out on kind of like a uh, prep school shia movie you know almost something like that where like he's away yeah. at, uh you know there's a there was a bunch of those in the 90s they didn't really i don't really recall many of them in the 2000s but this is as close as we'll get to that the prep school shia and i also thought his mannerisms it was like a cross between rodney dangerfield and fred savage I just had like this blend of that because he was he had like these ticks, but he was clearly doing it as the character. The character thought it was like a cool thing, right. like a suave thing to do. So he would like adjust like his brushing his hair back and mm-hmm, like yeah, adjust his tie or like lick his uh, fingers and and like wipe his eyebrows, <laughs> just like all these little things. And then we're getting sort of it seems like the youngest Shia yet, and he just really kind of reminded me of Fred Savage from the Wonder Years a little bit. Sure, <laughs> when he was really mm-hmm. young. It just kind of sounded the same too and also a little bit kind of like ben savage from mm-hmm. boy meets world it's all sort of the same savage he's he's basically the third savage brother <laughs> yeah yeah the lost one i just wish that we had more for him to do because his arc is that he kind of swoops in and he hits on sarah paxton which i love that he's always even here at like 14 or 15 years old he's hitting on the really cute girl you know something that's going to carry him through the career he doesn't personally steal the presentation but taj maori has his presentation on cards that he just so happened to draw flip book, sketchbook, comic strip of the teacher or of the principal of Ed Begley Jr. like as a wolf like eating him or something and so that gets confiscated and that's in the office and so we don't even see Shia do that we just sort of see yeah. you know we hear Taj Maori prepping his speech and then we see Shia delivering it I think specifically for what we're doing here I mean it's, it's something that I've said and we've said a couple times before specifically for why we're doing this podcast 
I wish that he was in more of the movie, but I also think that, like, he's a different kind of character from everybody else in the movie, and then when he goes away, he's just he's just done. Mm-hmm. That they spend time creating him and then don't use him at all. Like, yeah. you could have him come over and then, like, they have to hide the dog from him. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, there's there's ways to weave him into this, and they don't have any purpose to do that or any any desire to do that, I guess. Yeah, that's it. that is unfortunate because he does feel larger than the main characters in the short amount of time that he's on screen. It's like, I want to follow him. Uh, it may have been interesting if he found out about the dog and you know no one believed him it was almost like he turned into the boy who cried wolf scenario i know at the end it's kind of interesting how he gets framed for stealing the dog the whole time i totally feel like they could have incorporated him a lot more especially if this guy didn't have the older brother and they just you know it was just like a weekend or the mom was at work instead of went away i just feel like there's too many other elements you know that are even more interesting and that they settled on this dog stuff is just baffling to me you know like what about the the fact that the kid is like an amazing artist yeah. they don't incorporate any of that throughout the movie nope. and that's a real shame because they really could have you know especially with the dog missing dog posters without having a picture of the dog the kid would have had to have memorized how he looked or whatever and no they don't do any of that kind of stuff so it's feel like it's overpacked what they end up dwelling on isn't as interesting as all this little stuff that they've dropped I realized as I was watching this movie that I actually saw this, I think, on TV. Like, this must have been, like, right in my wheelhouse of when I was watching all these movies, which I feel like I was too old, but I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm their age in the movie, so maybe not. But I remember less about this than I did about True Confessions. But I remembered certain things, so it was it's weird for the second movie in a row. And I, 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 re- I don't remember if I liked this movie or not back then, but, like, I remembered at the very, very end... When Shia gets sent off to boot camp, the older brother is his officer, mm-hmm. and he's like, what does Papa Wheelie mean to you? And like, I remember that line, which is crazy, <laughs> 15 years later to remember that, but I do. I'm seeing new things. Like, I had no idea who Ed Begley Jr. was in 2001, so that's cool, and I didn't know that Sarah Paxson was going to grow up to be in like these horror thriller movies. It's, it's a weird world and a weird sort of small world that we live. I could definitely see kids liking this. I don't know what age. I think 10 and under. Probably, especially nowadays, they're a little too sophisticated. I mean, I had some genuine laughs towards the end, and believe me, I was trying not to laugh at stuff from time to like. Well, I was just sitting there going, like, I'm not gonna laugh unless like it, it's really gonna make me laugh. And there were one or two times where like, I, and there were both Ed Begley moments probably. I think the the kid had one when he was running away from the German Shepherd chasing him at one point or something, and he kicks through the fence. But I could see little kids really eating up all of that little tiny dog going crazy on the kid and destroying the whole house and stuff and like getting wrapped around a telephone pole and you know filling a duffel bag filled with turkeys and dragging it down the street to smoke out the missing dogs and stuff like it's not for me or anything but I you know if you were a kid (laughs) and you saw this I would understand liking it I think I was probably 13 when this came out so I guess that's still maybe old I don't know but I remember watching because I remember watching the Even Steven show you know and not feeling like I was too old for so I think it's I think it's still sort of that same age. I don't know. It's just so long ago that I don't remember. What's interesting now to look at this movie, and I agree that like the stuff now, like all the stuff with the dog, is just like I can't I can't deal with it now. I, I just sort of wish I remembered more about how, how I felt about it then. But what's interesting now, and interesting maybe in quotes because it's not actually interesting, <laughs> is to try to figure out like what the point 
of these movies are, like what oh. message is mm-hmm. it trying to teach to kids? Yeah. And it sort of starts out maybe about being like a good leader because like the older brother's getting yelled at at the military thing, like you know, like you're like people will take orders from you, but like if you want them to save you in the battlefield, they need to love you. Like you need to be a better leader. And I was like, that can't be the message for kids. And then like when they give the speech. Then it's sort of like, oh, we should stop littering and stop throwing away so much garbage because we're running on a landfill. So I'm like, that doesn't make any sense either. <laughs> and then by the very end, yes. and sort of for the second movie in a row, you know, True Confessions was about, in a way, like in a cynical way, like using the developmentally disabled people in your life for personal gain in terms of like, you know, getting a show on TV. And here, in, in a similar cynical way, <laughs> Taj Maori uses his friend in a wheelchair yeah. to be like, hey, like, let's reform our school and our world so that the handicapped can like get around like and so like in 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 a way it's like yeah like you know these people are different but like we should accommodate them but the same way it still sort of feels like like what kind of like less than people are in my life and how can i turn that into like getting a scholarship you have to do a documentary that exposes disney channel tv movies for their subversive influences on children you know like because because this movie is like oh look at the dog crazy dog crazy Crazy, crazy dog. And then at the end, it's like, handicapable people are the most important people <laughs> on the planet. And it takes someone who's never been into an accident to get you to listen to that. It's like, oh, it's in- yep. it's insane. Yeah. Well, I was just grasping for straws because I was also trying to find, like, a solid message throughout the whole thing. And I just couldn't. There, is, there isn't one that carries throughout the entire movie, I don't no. think. No. Like, it's like, like, it's almost like they pop up and be like, hey, kids, remember, don't litter. All right, back to the wacky yeah, dog movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah, right. I need to do, like, a Room 237. Style, right, that's what like, I'm thinking. <laughs> hey, like you're gonna watch this movie Hounded, but we're gonna have five different crazy theories about what this movie's actually about. What else? I mean, there's not a lot left to talk about. I did note that Ed Begley's dad or his grandfather <laughs> or someone is named Armand, and I was like, oh, is he Armand of the house? Oh god. <laughs> Because Armand is not I mean, a common name. I was just like, Armand. now I'm never going to be able to think of free. Armand. Yeah, free Armand. I'm having the time of my life. This is, uh, this was, oh, okay. So speaking of like crazy subversive messages, this big brother who goes to the military academy, at one point he yells at his little brother and goes, art is for people who think they're better than everyone else. And Ooh. then he goes on to this whole spiel about how if there was never any military, artists would not be free to waste their time doing art. And that's not even real god oh my god what is happening there is definitely like an art versus anti-art and i think that's like when at the very end when taj maori draws the map and his older brother's like hey you drew all this like this is incredible so like that's kind of the meeting of the minds but there's a really (laughs) funny scene and i don't think it's supposed to be funny in the middle of the movie when the whole thing is that like he needs a scholarship to go to this like prep school that's for artists and if not, he's going to go basically, I think, to like a regular school or No, whatever. he's going to the know. military academy. Like, there's no ifs, ands, oh, or okay. buts. Yeah, it's like, you're because oh. their dad, like, is a legacy, and his their dad died in some oh. unbeknownst thing. And yeah. Okay. So it's very Bill and Ted. So it's either it's like, if you don't art pass, or military. Right. <laughs> so, either, yeah, so either, like, you can be in a band or you have to be in the military. Okay, I got it. There's one point where Taj Maori is, like, looking at a pamphlet, like a leaflet for the school, and he's like, wow. Peterson is tight and it's just pictures of kids playing flutes like that's what he's looking at and he says 
Peterson is tight. Like, tight definitely belongs in 2001. But also, at the same time, like, you're just looking at, like, still images of kids playing music, and you're like, <laughs> I can't wait for this to be my future. Oh, man, maybe he was just like, oh, look at this drawing is tight. And, <laughs> like, I like to draw. Maybe I can redesign oh. this crappy thing when I get there. Oh, I also remembered the itsy-bitsy spider scene. Like, oh, my God, Ed Jr. And, and the ice game, the ice ring scene. Like, he just <sighs> gets sent on these tasks as he's trying to recover this dog. It's stupid, but still, like watchable just because he commits to it and he brings like some level of sophistication like he also genuinely seems like the best human on Mm -hmm. earth like he is Mm -hmm. the most green environmentally friendly like everything like if you hear him talk about anything you're like whoa like I could be a better person because Ed Begley is amazing and so I wonder I don't think he would but I wonder if he gets the script and just like oh like look at this crap like how am I gonna fix (laughs) this up but it seems like he's just like all right I'm going to bring this in and sort of like in a scene that's like sort of slapsticky and stupid I'm going to somehow make it enjoyable for everybody like it's his work is I said it before this I'm using this word too many times on this episode for like a bad movie but like his work in this movie is amazing like he is really bringing it and it's a delight to see yeah like I said earlier thank goodness he's in this like all praise Bagley Jr. because like he really helped me get through this movie and his scenes are that strong which is remarkable that it doesn't really matter what he's in he's gonna give it his all every time and somehow some way in his performance like you also said it's like he fits no matter what like it doesn't matter really what the genre is or what the tone of the movie is it's like you drop him in there and he'll figure out a way to just feel natural yeah this is a great character for him to explore too i feel like this is right in his wheelhouse just the ed rooney-esque the principal who really has it in for a certain student but is getting screwed over by him and that itsy bitsy spider scene like i bet he even brought like the singing to it you know what i'm saying he probably just had to stand outside holding the cake and was like how about i how about i sing itsy bitsy spider and then was like him how about i just start handing out pieces of cake like i could almost see him bringing his improv history and his writing history to these roles just to punch up his his stuff in ways just to give like his his scenes more energy and it definitely feels it i i love that scene where he goes bowling too he's just wearing like a like a bathrobe bathrobe and slippers yeah and he has to throw nothing but gutter balls and like be happy about it like yeah he's just all in here thankfully thank you so much for being here (laughs) (laughs) i was looking at who made this movie and the two writers if i remember right they co-wrote this and they co-wrote only one other thing that I don't know. But the director of this, I don't know if you looked him up, but this is the guy who did Bachelor Party, and he did Surf Ninjas, and he also wrote all the Police Academy. Oh my goodness, okay. So I was looking this up at the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, this is exciting, like, this is something like, you know, at least the director, if not the writers, but, like, the director has, like, this history of, like, adult comedies and could, like, bring something to it. And I wonder if he, like, his connection somehow got Ed Begley, Mm -hmm. I don't don't know. But then the movie actually takes off, and it's just like, hey, here's some wacky nonsense about a dog. The director actually has like in terms of like you were saying earlier in 80s comedies and comparing this to that like there is history here like he knows what he's doing in that regard yeah bachelor party is great like that's a that's a great <laughs> early hanks you know when hanks was still, hanks club yep when he was still doing comedies do more comedies hanks do them now i know you're listening david s pumpkins <laughs> there you go I, it seems like this comes towards the end of this guy's career so like his best days are behind him for sure and now he's doing this kind of stuff so whatever's left in him though is on the screen there i feel like shia would have been great in a police academy movie he's the kind of actor who 
also like Ed Begley Jr. feels really game for what's going on and figuring out a way to elevate it and not just sort of mire in the dreck of it at all. Like, but say like we're here, let's make the best of it. Let's really take these characters and punch them up a level. And it sh- it shows, you know, it shows more than everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's all I have to say about this movie. Is there anything else that you want to cover that we didn't already get to in terms of Hounded? Among all the things, the one thing that really bothered me was the, um, okay, so the idea that they don't know who kidnapped the dog, right? So they don't know it's right. this kid and, you know, eventually his brother. And the kid is, like, well-trusted at school. It's not like he's a bad kid or anything like that. And it's like, why couldn't he just say he found the dog and return it? It's not like no one would believe him that he just was like, I found the dog on the street. You know, no one would. So <laughs> I know it's dumb of me to think that, but that was bothering me. And then at the end, when he's sort of getting commended for giving the the new speech and getting the award and getting the scholarship and the the mom comes in with the dog and it jumps right in his lap and then the yep. and then she's like oh we're going to have puppies and just turns to the kid and is like hey we just met this dog seems to like you you want a puppy <laughs> She's just, like, handing out puppies. Those parts, I don't know why I'm bringing those up now, but uh, comically <sighs> comically got under my nerves. The, I think the saving grace, though, is it reminded me of Always Sunny with the rum ham. They just sort of have a ham bag where they just yeah. have a bag that they tie to the back of a truck and then just throw a couple hams in there. All the neighborhood dogs chase after it. So I was thinking rum ham, ham bag, that is hounded in a nutshell. For all things, all his movies, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. You can hear all the episodes that we've done already, hear other shows on the network. Lots of fun, free listening things at those two places. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on All His Movies. I've got an-